0: You want to have the text in front of you.
1: Yes. You want
0: to be sure to reference and footnote and.
1: Well, that's you know that's how I operate.
0: That is how you operate. I notice that. I notice that. You know what I notice it most? (laughs) When When I'm saying it's ten a.m. Saturday, February the eighteenth, twenty twenty-three. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane.
1: That was a weird.
2: I know.
0: I was, I'm, oh, I'm playing it. with intervals, Diane. I see. Because since our 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 one of our themes today is uh, <laughs> other modes, <laughs> you know, other musical modes, shall we say, <laughs> uh, things beyond my understanding, but not beyond my vocalizing. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, Diane?
1: I do know what you're saying, Bill. Okay,
0: I just want to check that out, make sure because you know, I mean, I, you may not believe this about me, but I do have some insecurities. I don't know if you knew that about me or not, but
1: never saw it.
0: Never once, eh?
1: Never once. Never
0: once. Well, you're the one. <laughs> anyway, it's been a, it's been a uh, fruitful and uh educational um, t- educational and entirely satisfying week here in lake abundance because one of the things that I've been reveling in is that there's very little left that I have to do I have to do so few things in any given week uh you know I mean you know in terms of you know, as a ratio to what i was used to demanding of myself you know it's really a nice feeling because you get to see more without having to do anything with it you know so you can just see stuff and and uh, uh, you know dive into stuff or or you know take pictures or something
1: you know. Well, I was talking about that with a friend of mine who's still working. Yeah. She was a colleague of mine mm-hmm. in my old team. And, and, uh, and she knew that I had really prepared for retirement because I was so nervous that I'd have these stretches of long hours in front of me and I wouldn't have them filled. But I hadn't realized that when you don't have the things that are assigned to you let's say yeah. that you have your own imagination filling right. in the void right. and nobody's telling you
0: what you what you have to what think you about. have
1: to think about yeah that's and, why it's
0: like childhood because childhood was like that
1: well and i i was telling her that in winnie the pooh there one of my favorite stories was when christopher robin was going to leave the hundred acres wood It was the Hundred Acres Wood, wasn't
0: it? I think it was just the Hundred Acre Wood.
1: Yeah. Um, And he was already bemoaning the fact that he would not be able to, as he said, do nothing. Yeah. And Pooh was saying, how do you do nothing? And he says, well, you know when you're going out the door and people say, what are you going to be doing, Christopher Robin? And Pooh says, yes. And he says, well, it's... You say nothing, and, and then you go do it. <laughs> you know, I felt like, yeah, yeah, that's sort of what I'm feeling like right now. Right. If somebody asked me, what are you doing today? I'd be saying, nothing, <laughs> and then I'm going to go do it. The nothing that is everything. Nothing that is everything. Yeah, but right. it, it allows this grand expanse of your imagination, which, which was the state of childhood before you had assignments let's yeah. say you know
0: and i relate that to uh william stafford's thread you know you, know, you get just you get to live surrounded by threads yeah and you you don't pull on any of them but you will follow one to see where it goes
1: well and it was so interesting this week because um well, first of all, I want to mention the poetry break. It was, it was on Valentine's Day.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, and neither Bill nor I are all that. We don't celebrate Valentine's Day. And the main reason is that we feel like, uh, why should somebody else tell you what day you're supposed to tell somebody you love them? Yeah. You know, I don't appreciate that very much. Well, whatever. But but also it's because of some of the old feelings of uh, of childhood that come into play. And I don't blame anyone who loves to celebrate. I'm no, not. No, I mean, it's, it's just that, uh, I don't but... know, it has some kind of um. PSTD feelings for me, I think. PTSD?
0: PTSD.
1: PTSD, post-traumatic stress Stress. disorder, PTSD.
0: Right. Yeah, it's got all of that from childhood. But also, I heard a news story, or a feature story on NPR this week, talking about the history of Valentine's Day. It's it's blood and guts and gore, you know? It's really weird. And then
1: you feel like, how did they come up with this? How
0: how did it get twisted into this? I mean, it's... Certainly better than its, its origination stories, but wow! You know, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it, I, and it's because you know if you're in love, yeah, it's like an it's like a, an offense to be told what you're supposed to do with love on any given day. It goes back to that Shakespeare sonnet: "Love does not is not something you lasso and and then ride like a buck and bronco." <laughs> yeah. Love is out there. Love is. A thing unto itself. You attach yourself to it. But you don't control it and you don't you know it's not a force that you govern in any kind of way.
2: I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm gonna take me a sip.
0: And so the idea that you've got one day a year yeah, where you have to do something with it. It's it's that's not the way love even works.
1: <laughs> no, it isn't.
0: Love don't work that way. So it doesn't it's never made sense to me on that kind of uh visceral level
1: i just read in in uh this this book right there that book that book that one um that a person was coming to an astrologer and saying i'm falling in love all the time and it just never pans out and i just feel like you know something must be in my astrology chart and the man said well that's really strange because love is a A rare and precious thing. So if you're falling in love all the time, it must not be love that you're falling into. (laughs) And I was thinking that's true, right?
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: The the very fact that you say falling in love, you're not really falling in love. You're falling into something, but not.
0: Maybe you're tripping in love, but not falling. Yeah. Yeah. Stubbing your toe. (laughs) (laughs) What? Stub
1: stubbing your toe on well, Love. Well, I mean it would register.
0: <laughs> you know, as something as something completely different. You know, but it's not the experience.
1: Uh, I I would love not you to difference. write a song called Stubbing Your Toe. <laughs> 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 I <would> love that. <laughs> that
2: is, anyway, that is pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh.
1: But anyway, it was. I really enjoyed that poetry break because it did bring up some great poetry, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, and I and thank you, that. Nils
0: Peterson. Nils Peterson is becoming a force. He is becoming a force I mean, he in is, our lives. Has been a force, but his force has never entered my sphere until recently, and I appreciate him very much. If he, for his. Uh, no, for no, for everything about him, I can't. He's just
1: wise. Wise yeah.
0: and giving. Yeah, you know he's generous. There you go. That's the word I was looking for: is generosity. Is is uh, genuine and heartfelt and spot on. You know, he's a master.
1: <sighs> so, anyway. first we had the the poetry break. Did we do anything last weekend? I think that. I don't think that there was anything notable from last weekend. Um, No, we
0: already talked about the call with Eric and and Annie and Robert. Yeah.
1: But, so the next day, after the poetry break and after, it was was my first day, of my five day weekend. Right.
0: (laughs) And that first day, man, that's a good. That's a good day. It's a good day.
1: But the day before, right. because I do think it was on Valentine's Day that Henry, our adopted grandson, posted, who is. posted a song he wrote.
0: Right.
1: And uh, since I was working and then had the poetry break, I hadn't had a chance to see the video. Nor had I. And so, that morning, I watched the video. And first of all, I was really astonished at what a great first song he wrote. I mean, I'm sure he's written...
0: He may have, or maybe he hasn't.
1: You know, maybe he's come up with some little melodies or whatever, but... Well,
0: maybe he's written other complete songs, but it's just... This one seemed particularly of a moment for him. And something like that will kick you forward, uh, in your process.
1: And it's going to be for an upcoming EP called "The Middle School Experience," which just cracks me up. Yeah. Because I feel like, wow, and Henry is
0: in middle school. <laughs> he's ten. You know I me. Mean, I didn't hit middle school till I was what, twelve?
1: I don't know. I don't know how it works in Washington. Yeah, I don't know either. Because for I, me there was
0: there were six grades of primary school, elementary school, three years of middle school and three years of high school. That's what I that's the system I grew up in. So middle school was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. High school was ten, eleven, twelve. You had a four year high school, right? You were, We did. Yeah. We, we had didn't a have freshmen school. in yeah. our high school uh, system.
1: It didn't crack me up because it was funny, like, oh, that's so cute or anything. Mm-hmm. But I, it cracked me up because I thought about the words, the middle school experience, and thought, oh, my God, what yeah. a rich thematic.
0: Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's an artesian well. <laughs> yeah. uh, the first one, I think, that, that people as individuals really encounter in their lives. Yeah. Suddenly, everything's different, you know? Everything.
1: Everything. And
0: the difference-making goes on for a few years. Well, some would say 30 all, years. Oh, yeah, I
1: was going to say all your life.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe all your life. But I
1: think it's the first time that you're noticing yeah, the, the strange the f- psychological dramas around you. Right, you and know? you're
0: thinking your own thoughts, and you are coming up with your own ideas, and you are having feelings in your body- That you've never felt... I mean, it's just a whole raft of crap. And it's the first time you really encounter the caste system of education. Yeah. You know? Because it exists. Not only uh, uh, on a financial level, but on a social level.
1: Well, but not only of... I mean, that's why I say it's the first time you notice it um, in your educational experience, but that system goes on the rest of your life. Right. And I don't
0: remember in grade school... Looking at you know, looking across the lunchroom and saying, "Oh, that's the cool kids' table. That's where all the cool kids go." Maybe it's because there was no football or competitive sports yeah, maybe. in elementary school. I don't know what triggers it in people. It might just be a hormonal thing, but I don't know. Or or because they start having their own ideas, they start looking at their parents differently, and they and their parents' friends, and they start identifying. Uh, the case system in that group, or something, something happens. Uh, They just, uh, you you have a visceral understanding of it for the first time ever, so it's not really an understanding, it's a contact with, and you have no understanding whatsoever, and so it's just flying around the room with all the other things that you seem to have no control over, all these new things that you've never experienced before, and it's a, you know, it's psychedelic almost. Yeah. I
1: was just so thrilled that Henry was writing, oh, uh, uh, something about his, his personal experience while it is happening, right. because. And the song is called
0: a, "Frenemies," right?
1: Yeah the yeah. the song is called "Frenemies."
0: And you know, it's just uh, and it's got a
1: hook and oh, yeah. it's just amazing. I know. So it's
0: got I, all the. It's even got a bridge. It's got a bridge, Henry. You put a bridge in your first ever song. My first ever song was, the people in my town, oh boy, they are just great. They don't eat supper till 10 p.m. Because noon don't come till 8. You know, it was, <laughs> and you know, that, that you know? they don't eat supper part, my dad wrote that. My dad gave me that. True confessions you know, of Bill and, Davey. The people in my town, oh boy, they are just great. <laughs> you know, there was no bridge in the people in my town. I think two it's, verses and two choruses and out, you know?
1: I think it's pretty good myself. How but I was even... eleven. Oh, okay.
0: I was Henry's age when I wrote that. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's middle school that has pushed Henry into an earlier flowering of this kind of consciousness. Because the people in my town does not reveal any consciousness whatsoever of anything. You know. <laughs> It, it, you know, it's like a children's book of a song, you know Anyway. Henry I well, admire and not you.
1: only that, but I, the, I celebrate you. The videos Henry. that they produce. Henry, are. You're
0: really good. You're really good.
1: are professional man. You know,
0: and, you, and you also are full of heart and you are full of generosity and uh, willing vulnerability. and that, those things are the things that are going to carry you forward. Live there. That's all I'm saying. Live there, not any place else, not on what other people think of you, or you know, you know, where you want to get to, or anything like. Live in that stuff, and you will be fruitful, and you know, people will find you.
1: So that morning, Sorry. I listened to that yeah. and was was so amazed, and and uh, <laughs> also listened to another little. Clip that uh that Henry did on a flying v guitar oh yeah yeah
0: good, and clip. good clip
1: in any event yeah uh on Wednesday, I was just saying that i I was thinking this was so incredible, and found out from Charlotte his mom that he had been trying to find the most metal sound because that's his genre of of music. That's the branch of the musical tree he's on. That's yeah. what I was telling Charlotte, but I, that I felt like music has all these branches and you can explore them all. And one seems to be the one you're exploring, but, but they all are interconnected in some way. Well, he found out that it was interconnected <laughs> the most metal sound with tritone and Neapolitan sixths. And so he started wandering around rediscovering seventeenth century Italian music theory. And I was just uh, and then she started writing to me about all of this information. Right. And I felt like I was just having a
0: Yeah, it was like a, a master class.
1: A master class in music theory. The of history which
0: I, of the history of not just music theory, but the history of music well
1: theory. history of this particular part of music theory yeah. so and it i just i just loved it i was exploring all these different things and uh and seeing the different videos that she was uh, presenting now for me my um my temperament leads me to quieter music as everybody can tell from the Bill and Diane show, I don't usually choose um, things that are very loud. And so it's not my go-to music resource. And yet what I really learned is that a lot of these heavy metal musicians are are classically trained that they are that they're doing these amazing um fingerings on the board because they know what they're doing yeah. and i had never even thought about that before i never th- considered it because i just never explored that that musical style that much right.
0: well when i uh, the other thing i want to say about uh about frenemies is uh I hear little Miss Missy in there. You do? Uh, sure. It's the same kind of thing. I mean, it's you know metal tends to be more uh, straight ahead metal. I don't know, maybe I don't know anything about that genre. I don't, so I will not speak as an authority. But that's a chunky rhythm. That's 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 got some some uh, punk in it. There's punk in there. I hear it anyway. I don't know if Henry would agree or if Charlotte would agree. But I hear a little Miss Messy in front of me. So.
1: Cool.
0: Yeah. So that's a it's a it's a inheritance.
1: It is an inheritance. But it's one that
0: Henry is taking to his own place, you know. So it's a lot like having a dad who's the guy with the guitar at the parties and you know, you grow up kind of singing harmony with him and and uh, it takes you where you go.
1: That's the thing that's so interesting to me about where we end up. And it really is sort of a, uh, are you a tabla rasa fan yeah, or, yeah. or do you think that people come in with a, a soul? Yeah. And I have always thought that people come in with a soul yeah. and that it almost seems like you a lot of times get to experience the, the path that you want from your parents system way
0: there, it's true but it's you have to remember that right before you re-enter you pass through the river of forgetting that's true so you in that sense you are a tabula rasa but you carry things with you that you don't remember but that doesn't mean they're not still there you just don't remember them it's like well, trying to remember what, what you know happened last weekend when you ask that question I'm like I don't remember anything about what happened last weekend but it's still there. It happened. It's in my head somewhere. What happened last weekend. You well, know? my
1: fanciful idea is that you are kind of choosing your right. parents when you come in. And it feels so. like
0: kind of, yeah. And, but it, I, I don't know. I mean, you choose them, then you forget that you chose them. And then there they are. You know, I really feel like Just that is... Just think of
1: the number you know, of people that I've listened to their stories about their lives and... And it's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even if you are in a a bad situation with your parents, what you learned from that is an interesting thing. Yeah. So, anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: A bizarre little diversion. It might time. twist
0: you, but it also fortifies you on some level. You know?
1: Yeah, but uh, it just seems to me I've met so many people who are. S- that their, their talents and abilities seem to match where they are, yeah. um, that they have, uh,
0: oh, well, when I think about the environment that Henry is growing up in, I'm thinking, wow, you know, talk about, a. I mean, and if you're gonna, if you're born a sponge, you want to be born into a family like Charlotte and Stephen because, uh, there's nothing but quality stuff to absorb there. You know? So God.
1: Anyway, that was that was a big highlight of my week was yeah. having that education. I really like feeling Wednesday.
0: proud of Henry. I like that yeah. feeling in me. That feeling of wow, this kid is really doing something. So and I admire his uh, uh, the love with which he is going about it
1: that day i also had right after i had the wonderful conversation on uh, messenger with charlotte mm-hmm. i had a conversation with my friend Silverius that was just marvelous and then uh, my friend kathy uh asked whether she could whether that was a good day for us to talk mm-hmm and so the whole day that's why I started off saying that Wednesday Wednesday I, I had some ideas of what I was going to do but I was able to just throw them all to the wind and say whoa this is happening yeah I'm in for that yeah. you know yeah. and uh, <laughs> the thing that was so interesting about my conversation with Kathy for me was that last week as people know we had talked about Burt Backrack. And how he seemed to be, his music seemed to be, imbuing the culture it was at that like time. Like
0: omnipresent there for a while.
1: And she said, you know, it really because she's I think seven years older than I am. Yeah. I'm not certain of that, but somewhere around there. And she said it was really interesting to me, because just that seven year difference between us. Meant that you were at home, listening to only what your parents had available right and and by that time i was in an entirely different uh musical environment environment because i was no longer living in my parents home and she was talking we were and i said wow that's so true because when you're when i was a kid i didn't have any real money so to speak to buy a record and back then getting a record was much more of a financial commitment. Uh, you couldn't just buy, I mean you could buy singles, these little single songs, but you'd have to encounter them first. And, um, and how do you encounter them? Because most of us didn't have the wherewithal, right. the financial wherewithal to, to encounter them, yeah. unless our parents were listening. So I was thinking how interesting that was because then we got in this whole conversation about because for her generation, the Vietnam War experience was happening to that age group. So she had friends who were getting drafted, you know, the... There were lots of things going on. Yeah. Whereas for me, my first encounter with the Vietnam War, in any kind of personal way, was in high school. They had this, uh, you, you could buy these... Bracelets. Bracelets yeah. that had the... Prisoners of War. The Prisoners of War, yeah. and you, they were missing in action. I remember those. And that you, until your Prisoner of War was released, you would wear this metal bracelet and I hate to say it but it was a trendy thing let's say it wasn't a heartfelt thing because I don't think we truly understood what we were doing but since everybody was doing it you know you would do it
0: it, wow
1: so just that that difference in age uh how that uh how that affected the way that we thought of the music that was surrounding us whatever message you were getting in, from the society because when I was still living at home and I even thought about the fact that Burt Backrack being such a I mean that's I think that his music is probably what even developed the elevator music concept yeah. you know that kind of yeah. easy listening um, style so it it Made me think that it was sort of a, a sort of the whitewash of the society against a, a time that was very troubling and had a lot of uh, things going on that were not pleasant. And musical
0: comfort food.
1: Yeah. So my conversation with Kathy, I mean Wednesday was just like this blow my mind kind of day from everybody i spoke to and and i was thinking that was when i started thinking man this is the best that i i have free reign over my thoughts that i don't have anybody saying and now you've got to solve this problem for work before you get to think about this again you know the interesting thing about working for me was that I always had something kind of percolating in the back of my mind, you know the some thoughts because a lot of the the tasks that I did were somewhat rote, um, not all of them. Some of them demanded all of my yeah intellect and all my attention. But there were a lot of things that I did that were fairly rote. So you knew that your mind was kind of percolating and like something on the back burner. But to be able to have everything be in the front of your mind, and be able to go off on like when Charlotte had, she had mentioned a lot of different things in her string, and one of them was the song Jump by, Van, um, Halen. Van, Halen. Van Halen. Van Halen, right? And when she said that, I remembered really liking that song, and she said it was Paganini. You know that she was saying, "What's the big deal? It's Paganini." Bam, bam and so i watched that and then that brought up a youtube interview with uh eddie van halen when he was older which fascinated yeah, me seen that video. too uh, just from the standpoint of um once again the emphasis on classical training in in the in the mix, which I never really considered.
0: I showed you that one Eddie Van Halen video, right, where he's doing a solo on, so it's a live concert video, and he does all this classical stuff on the Yeah, yeah, you did, but
1: for some reason I just, uh, I don't know, I never concentrated on that. But I certainly know that, like, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, they were totally immersed in classical music. Um, I mean, they would do electronic Versions of Aaron Copeland and...
0: um, Pictures at an exhibition. Pictures
1: at an exhibition, which was always one of my... I loved pictures at an exhibition anyway when I was a kid and listening to my parents' classical music. Anyway, just to have the free reign to follow this education where you want it. I mean, I was given... Let's say I was given the outline... And I was given some information because I was watching a really marvelous animated uh, video that she sent me about Neapolitan chords. And um, it was so above my knowledge base, you know, because I know nothing about music theory. Me either. But even though I don't know anything about music theory, it fascinates me because I do know that it's very mathematical in the end. And... So it's almost like the people who create music who don't know about music theory. It's about intervals. Intervals. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you're stumbling into these mathematical concepts. But But um, you're also
0: creating a graph.
1: Right. But it just fascinated me that I could follow these videos, also follow some sideline things that came up too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it it also made me aware, because the other thing, uh, the the other video that I watched this week that was very educational to me uh, was one that was about all the President's men. Uh, It was called The Legacy of All the President's Men. It was published or posted uh, uh, ten years ago. Or 11 years ago, I think. What was it? Um, And it had, it was uh, produced by the LBJ Library where the notes for uh, the Watergate.
0: All of Bob Woodward and and Carl Bernstein's notes of the Watergate investigation are uh, housed at the LBJ Center.
1: And so they gathered Robert Redford, Bob Woodward, and Carl Bernstein to talk about the making of the film. And I knew, I would say practically nothing of what they talked about.
0: I had no idea that the film was being worked on at the same time that the book was being worked on. Nor did I. And the story of how the book took shape is really interesting too, because uh, All the President's Men is not the book that Woodward and Bernstein set out to write.
1: That's right. You know,
0: theirs was just going to be reportage. But what it turned into was the story of them doing their work. You know, it became a story about journalism rather than a story about Watergate.
1: And for those who listen to the show, you might know that All the President's Men is one of our favorite movies. And
0: Henry, you should watch it. <laughs> and have your parents talk to you about it. It's important well, history.
1: It's part of the... I had been even talking about it before this came up, and that's probably why it came up in my feed, because uh, my friend Silverius is 30, and he, he knows... And he's also from Canada. Right. So he knew the name Watergate, but didn't really know what it was and how that scandal uh, occurred in our government. And for us it was at a very dramatic time of our lives that that was showing up adolescence yeah, yeah adolescence oh baby and it was just so shocking and i still remember where were
0: you when you found out that he had resigned
1: where was i yeah well i was at home and living at home at that time i was
0: at church camp wow in ocean park washington and Found out, we found out about it there at the camp. Wow. Yeah.
1: Well, I just remember that my brother and my dad would get in huge arguments because yeah. my dad was a defender of Nixon, and my brother was not. And, um, But the interesting thing about it was that my my brother was really steeping himself in all the, let's say, the debate points. But I was young enough that it was not in my wheelhouse at that time. But when I watched all the presidents, (laughs) I went to Gary and said, Gary, this is going to sound stupid, but I need to know more about what you know about Watergate because I felt so ill-prepared to watch that movie, but it affected me so deeply. So watching that documentary... Uh, or an interview had uh, immense uh, power uh, for my week and and mm. you and I talked a lot about it and I uh, I was sharing it with a couple of my friends who I also know <clears throat> love all the president's men including my brother
0: yeah.
1: and I was thinking that when I before I retired I thought I knew which topics I wanted to cover But you find your interests naturally carry you into other things that you weren't even thinking of. Like, I love to understand not only because I love films, Mm -hmm. but I like not only the film, but how did they make the film and what did they do and how did this come about? What's
0: the story behind the story? yeah. Yeah.
1: And the thing that was so interesting about watching this documentary is... They have the the events that led up to the All the President's Men book and movie. Right. Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein are talking about those events to Robert Redford. And Robert Redford is trying to understand them to make them into a movie. And then you watch a documentary about what they did to make the movies. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> like this this repeating thing of all the, the interesting things of how do you do this thing?
0: right? And because, do it fairly and do it right yeah. and, and be honest with it and not over-dramatize and blah, 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 blah.
1: Because Robert Redford was primarily just interested in the fact that these two unknown reporters did all this work and how did they do it to uncover what they did? Right. And, and they
0: made one error... And it almost cost them their careers, and you know it's just it's just really interesting to hear the personal story, and it's weird because Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein don't write that way. Yeah, they're reporters. They're not you know memoirists.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know?
0: So how the book All the President's Men became oh, sorry became a memoir rather than a, a book of reportage is really interesting too. So they didn't want it to be a personal story, but it ended up being one. You
1: know. So anyone who likes that movie, I really urge you to yeah. look up this.
0: Uh, it's called. Po- we can post it underneath. Yeah, the, the show. It's there.
1: just a fascinating yeah. discussion.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, it, I just thought it was such an interesting thing to watch where my. Where my thoughts were going and what caused them to go there and. I just really enjoyed yeah. my thoughts this week.
0: Yeah. It's true. And it's nice to have the, you know, I don't want to call it leisure, uh, opportunity to uh, to do that. It's nice to be in a place in your life where you've got that opportunity. And,
1: uh, well, I was talking to Silvarius um, and saying that if I ever. Like if, you, if somebody asked what, you know the, that fairy tale where they have the, the fairy godmothers coming and giving gifts to the, right. uh, to the baby? Right. Um, it would be really interesting to ask people what they thought those gifts were in their own lives. And one of those gifts, one of the major gifts that I feel that I was given was curiosity. Um, I'm just curious. And that has been an amazing benefit to my entire life. You know, not only because it leads me to be interested in anything anybody brings up to me. Um,
0: And you, you, you were born loving to put things together and the feeling it gave you to put things together, to arrange things in a particular kind of way inside your mind. And I think when you, f- when you find all these connections. Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. When you establish, you know, a multi, a, like a charm bracelet Ew of boy. information around one topic. It's good coffee. It thrills you.
1: It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But, so that was that kind of a week for me. It was
0: that kind of a week. It was one of those pleasurable kinds of weeks that, where you can just sink into it. And, uh, and it doesn't seem fruitless. It doesn't seem, you know, you don't come out of it thinking you've wasted time. You know,
1: Not at all. Yeah, that's and what it's... that's what
0: I think we had as children and now we're getting a taste of again is that there's no such thing as wasted time. That's time right. Time is always spent uh well, I think, you know. As long as you're conscious of it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when I've lost my my entire mind. You have?
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Went into a ditch. Sorry, well,
1: because of Henry's interest in exploring this Neapolitan chord, yeah. I was looking to see whether there were other right. songs that we would be more familiar with right. that used those those chords as well. Yeah. And because of the wonders of the internet, you oh, know yes. you can actually type something in like that, yeah. you know. And popular come songs up with an
0: that use Neapolitan chords. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: I couldn't yeah. believe it. I mean, I couldn't believe that there was actually...
0: A list. A list.
1: Yeah. Uh, but apparently a lot of people are interested in this.
0: But I mean, can you give us some... Can you run some of the names of the songs that you found?
1: Yeah. Just well, because
0: I think it's interesting to, to note.
1: Yeah. Well, one of them... Uh, so I had a couple of different uh, <coughs> threads mm-hmm. and an article. But one of the the threads that was writing about this, uh, the question was, examples of Neapolitan and pop music, I'll start. Hmm. And then he was saying, Death Leopard, Bringing on the Heartbreak, and the Go-Go's, Our Lips Are Sealed. And I don't know either of those songs. Another person said, Pyramid Song by Radiohead, absolutely brilliant song. And then they had a, here's a page with analysis of usage and a few Beatles songs and they had um, the Beatles songs, let's see if I could find it again. Well, nah. Uh, the one that I remember the most was Here Comes the Sun King, you know, that, uh, uh, because, because is what they said. And because the sky in One of the things that was really interesting was it says, John Williams has a Neapolitan hook in most of his movie scores. It's a chord of adventure, wonder, excitement, which makes it the obvious choice for him to use in movies like Star Wars, Hmm. Jurassic Park, and Indiana Jones. And uh, Lionel Richie's Hello... Um, and then they, uh, the person said, I say, uh, without trace of irony, I had forgotten how amazing that video was, but then he says also, and they give the, the, the cord doesn't get any more textbooks. So apparently that, um, was so, uh, but there was an article about this and I would have to just have people. Read up about the Neapolitan chord because uh or you can't explain it. I can't explain it. It. Yeah. it. It's 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 music theory and right. um but it's this flatted super tonic puts the focus on the major chord. <laughs> <rooted> <laughs> the, you know, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not anything that I really understand. But uh but they had a vivid example of the Neapolitan chord can be heard in the intro of the iconic song. Space Oddity, the opening track of David Bowie's second studio album. The harmonic analysis of the song chord's chain denotes scale degrees with Roman numerals showing the following progressions, and it has the progressions. And so it said that uh, in the intro, the F major, Neapolitan 7th chord, alternates with the E minor Tonic triad, but the further chord progression is not possible in the Phrygian mode since the major chords rooted in the fourth and seventh scales would have to be minor to fit in the Phrygish canon. So there, I mean that's the detail that these people get into, but for us, you know, us people who don't know anything about the the scales, it really is an interesting uh, just to to hear
0: yeah. we experience it
1: yeah, yeah we experience it and I think that it's because it's minor and um, and as they say sort of mysterious and it's it's cording yeah. but it makes me want to understand although I don't think I'd ever be able to understand it yeah. um, I just don't since I don't play an instrument and yeah. And all of that, I'd have a hard time. But... I've never
0: been curious to understand it, you know. We'll see. There have there... been several times in my life where I've felt bad because I don't, you know, I felt bad about myself that I'd never bothered to learn this stuff. But it's never really stopped me from doing any of the things that I've done. Or uh, I well, know I know
1: that I... my brother was very interested in in the in understanding the different
2: yeah.
1: uh, music scales and because. I mean, even in this article, it was saying Western music theory describes seven diatonic scales that are the basis of corresponding musical modes, among which the major and minor still dominate due to the universia, universality of their harmonic harmonic structure.
2: Hmm.
1: Other seven note scales, such as the Phrygian, Lydian, Dorian, Mixolodian, have the status of modal modes and used mainly to create a musical atmosphere specific to a particularly geographical area, Mm. historical period, or to evoke associations with various folk cultures. So that's why I think it's really interesting. It is interesting. And then it says of all the modal modes, the Phrygian minor is probably the most widespread in classical music, which is evident from the number of works completely composed in the Phrygian mode. In folk and other And popular genres, some Phrygian elements are often interpolated into corresponding minor or other musical modes. Yeah, I just find it interesting. Whether the listeners do or not
0: is... (laughs)
1: Yet to be. You seen. think they're
0: still listeners? <laughs>
1: the other thing. I hope that they I was stick gonna, around for the song at least. I, I was just watching a little thing about what makes a a love song great because right. they had Valentine's, and they were saying that the uh, uh, the song by Elvis Presley.
0: I can't help falling in love with you.
1: Yes, I can't help falling in love with you was not his song Mm -hmm. it was written in 1784 yeah uh, by in france (laughs) so we're still harking back harkening back to a different era
0: history lives in us and i'm glad it lives in henry i really am glad it lives in henry i mean it's uh, to be such a, a fascinated student at a time in your life where uh none of this other chaos you know is entering in, although it may be entering in now for Henry, he's got a rich amount of knowledge to move into that with, so he's ahead of the curve uh, in a lot of ways for for the emotional freight that's coming down the pike. Because frenemies is some emotional freight, and it's and it has that kind of first experience kind of intensity to it. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot more intensity coming, Henry. <laughs> Hang on to your hat, my son.
1: So for the rest of us uh, Uneducated (laughs) Here is an adventure In (laughs) the Neapolitan Chord
0: That you know very well Most of you Will know from the first note
2: something